Hello. That's good. All right, reading from 1 Peter, 1 to 12. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. This thing is working. You can hear me? Good. No, I'll just get this out of the way then. Good morning. How's everyone going? Still doing all right? Evan's head. Um, I'm Evan's head, right? <laughs> um, really, uh, really enjoyed and get to know the leadership team and I get to see you guys as much because I'm in Ballina but um, yeah I've been getting out every every month for the session the leadership meetings and um, yeah really enjoying getting to know the guys there and seeing Ben throughout the week sometimes it was great meeting the first time meeting Ben asking uh, can I stash boards in the stash my boards in your in your in your in your, in your garage and I went sweet I didn't know I didn't Pretty pretty good deal. So I've got I've got a use of a couple of boards there as well. Um, it's worked out well for me. Anyway, let's uh, pray and get together get, get into um, one Peter together this morning. Father, thank you so much for your word. Uh, that in this dark world uh, and confusing times, troubling times, it's uh, 
it remains a light for us that you graciously guide us through it. Uh, Father, please uh, meet with us today by your spirit. Please uh, work powerfully uh, amongst us. Encourage us, Lord, uh, no matter what we face for following Jesus. Amen. Well, I remember working for a pretty big construction company um, in Sydney. Uh, I was a shop fitter and joiner um, from about the age of 16 and started doing that. And by the age of 19, I'd been with that company for about nine, for about nine, nine years, three years. And uh, sometimes that, that job involved me working in a factory uh, out in near Blacktown, um, building cabinets and tables and whatever the foreman wanted me to build. But sometimes the job meant I was placed out on site and I'd often work in the city, places like Macquarie Bank, places like that. And I'd be there sort of building, in, doing in, not structural stuff, internal walls, installing joinery, the stuff that had been made at the factory. Um, but often the first job on site was that we'd have to clear the whole floor. And I get to go in and just get to smash things for a living. It was fantastic. Uh, I couldn't believe it. I was just there, just swinging away, uh, let out all your frustrations. It was fantastic. And I was having fun until I realised that uh, the guys on one side I was working on the, were not only sort of wrecking stuff um, with me, but they were also loading it into a truck and then selling it, selling all the demolished materials um, on site. And now I wasn't sure if that was legal or not. I wasn't sure about that. And it look, kind of looks like stealing to me. And when I refused to take a cut of the money, suddenly I felt the pressure for living for Jesus. See, I didn't go to work that morning. I didn't go to work that morning thinking that all of my mates would suddenly kind of be putting pressure on me to join in them and taking a slice of uh, this sale. And even though I didn't cave in, I can tell you that praise for Jesus was not the first thing in my mind in that situation. Now, the first response for me, I felt more isolated. I was afraid. Um, these were guys that I spent most of my days with. These were guys that I liked. And now they were leaning on me to not only join them, but you know, um, to, yeah, to turn against Jesus in a way. And they'd say to me, look, just, just take the money, just give it to the church, it'll be fine. Um, you see, praise and joy in Jesus seems like the last thing uh, to be thinking of at that moment in time. Now I wonder if you're prepared to not only face the pressure for following Jesus, but even to praise the Lord under pressure. Um, how does that, you know, does that sound impossible for you? Is that the first thing that comes to your mind when you're under pressure, praising the Lord, praising Jesus? Um, so let's ask today, how can we do that? How can we praise God under pressure? How can we do that? Um, well, as I explain some of the background to um, this letter, 1 Peter, uh, to the scattered churches in Asia Minor, I hope you begin to see that instead of fear, Instead of fear, that instead of feeling like you're missing out, I hope you see that even under pressure we can praise God. 
I hopefully see four things this morning. Uh, got the, in the outline there. Firstly, see that we have a better selection, that we've got a better inheritance, a better purpose, and a better perspective. Um, so, firstly, let's get into the first few verses. If you've got it there in the um, in the outline, I'm following. I'm using the uh, we use the old NIV at our church. I'm not sure what you guys are using here, but yeah, it'll be near enough. Um, and we see in verses one to two there that under the full authority of Jesus, under the inspiration of the Spirit, that the, the Apostle Peter, he reminds these strangers, these Christians, straight up that they are part of a better selection. He says, to God's elect, strangers in the world, scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia and Bithynia. Now, by strangers here, he refers to Christians as strangers here, the commentator uh, Job's makes a pretty good case, I reckon, that this has the meaning of not just being a foreigner, but the idea of being a non-citizen, um, a, a non-citizen, an outsider. And this doesn't this this doesn't seem to mean this doesn't mean that Christians were literally foreigners, that they were literally strangers, kind of uh, not as in not locals to these areas, but because of their faith. They've, they're now being kind of ostracised. They're now being kind of uh, on the outer. Uh, Job's in a commentary in 1 Peter points out that all of these places we read in verse 1, they were colonised by the Roman Emperor Claudius. Um, that he deliberately, in his reign, that was his mission to try and take over these areas uh, and in his reign. But instead of doing it violently, like the next emperor is Nero, he's the one we, we kind of all know that... Um, he really, he really gave it to the Christians. Um, but Claudius was a bit more crafty, a bit more like a, a politician we, in our day and age. You know? um, what do they, how do they get control? They, they pump money into those areas. Uh, they rewarded uh, Roman citizens to go into these areas. And it gave them sort of, you know, say, if you go in there and represent us, we'll support you, we'll back you up. Um, they had the power to kind of give citizenship give benefits uh, and take it away. That's the kind of pressure that Claudius put on uh, these, these places. That's how he tried to do it. And so there would have been some pressure, there would have been some Christians who would have had their, their actual Roman citizenship revoked or, or not given. Uh, there would have been some Christians who would have been tempted to compromise, to just get um, citizenship, no matter whatever it is, so, so they can get by in life. Like We all want to get ahead and they just want to play ball. And so as the pressure for the Christians to compromise came, um, that sense of missing out, the first thing Peter wants them to be comforted by in these first few verses is you have a better selection. You have a better selection already. You might be a stranger. You might be a non-citizen, in, uh, an outsider in your hometown because of Jesus. But tune up. In verse 2, you are God's elect. Peter says in verse 2, like a good Presbyterian, presumably he was Presbyterian, um, Peter says, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. You know, who, why are you getting upset about the emperor and the blessings he's kind of pulled back from you? God the Father, according to his foreknowledge, has selected you. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty stoked to be selected to come to Ballina, um, to the Northern Rivers. I'm still 
still coming to terms with that, still enjoying that. Um, but I can tell you, it doesn't compare to the first time I realised that um, they realised that I'd been sort of chosen by God. Um, that God had placed me in a family, in a situation where I'd not only hear the gospel, but where I'd come to believe that Jesus is Lord and Saviour. Um, I remember that realisation hitting me when I was about 13 years old uh, in high school. Um, um, uh, I was one of maybe three other Christians in the schools in total. And that just... Some people that might get them down, but to me, it, when, when the lights came on, it actually blew my mind. I'm going, what did I do to be born into this situation? What did I do to deserve to hear this message? You know, what did I do to, to deserve Jesus to come and die, give his life for me and to be risen again? And it, it blew my mind because the realisation was that it clearly had nothing to do with me. I didn't, I didn't choose any of that stuff. I've just been landed in this situation. And you can see what Peter's doing here. He's encouraging them and he's encouraging us that no matter what pressure we experience for following Jesus, um, don't let it stop you praising the Father. You are part of a better selection. You, you've been, you've been, you're part of a, a better election. But not only that, as we move into verses 3 to 5, you can imagine that the original readers might have been a bit upset about the fact that they don't get the full benefits of Roman society. You know, none of us wants to miss out. And so what's so great about being selected by God? You know, what's so good about that? If I, if I miss out on the citizenship of Rome? Well, in verses 3 to 5, we see that we have a better inheritance. Peter calls us here explicitly to praise he says praise be to the god and father of our lord jesus christ in his great mercy he's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of jesus christ from the dead and into inheritance that can never perish spoil or fade kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by god's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time and one of the most interesting things about uh, the Roman citizenship thing uh, is that it could be given to you partially. They could kind of give you a partial kind of citizenship. They could give it to you fully. Uh, but even if you had it, they could, they could decide to take it from you. So it's like, I don't know, when we think of that sort of background, when we get to these verses here, what stands out here is that we have a way better inheritance a way better citizenship. We've been given new birth into a living hope. We have an inheritance in verse 4, an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you. I reckon this is just incredible. Even if you, even if you play by the rules in our society now, you, if, you, if you bend and you, you go with the flow, um, there is no inherit, there's no guarantee that you'll even get ahead in this life. There's no guarantee. There's no guarantee back then or even today. Um, but for us as Christians, can you see in this passage how praise is always possible? Our hope is unlike any other hope that we can come across. Thanks to Jesus, we have an inheritance that can't be taken away. 
It can't be, it can't be, it can't be kind of ruined. It can't be diminished. We have a resurrection life waiting for us. Because not only did, has Jesus died for us, as we can see in verse 2, but he was raised for us. We are guaranteed a resurrection life through Jesus. Not because we're sinless, and, but because we're connected to the one who has defeated sin and has defeated death. We have an inheritance that can't plummet. It can't be affected by the markets. No one can knock it off. Um, I came across this kid's talk. I probably could have done it today, but I, uh, it's, 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 um, it's a big graphic. So I've got a bit of a dark sense of humour. Um, I like it, but um, I, I think I did it once and maybe traumatised a few of the kids. So I'll, I'll just tell you... A, about maybe you can block the kids. Um, what I do is I, is I like to get a bucket of water and um, show them, you know, get them to have a look inside the bucket, it's just a bucket full of water, and then tell the kids I'm going to try to drown my hand here today. And, and I shove it in the water and I leave it there for a bit and then it starts to struggle and I hold it down there, hold it down there. It's, it's trying to get out until eventually... My hand just goes limp and I pull it out and I ask the kids, is it, what do you think, is it still alive or is it, is it dead? And most of them are smart enough to go, it's still alive, but some are traumatised. Um, and um, I go, it's still alive, isn't it? Why is it still alive? Well, because it's connected to my head. You know, I'd have to put my head in the bucket and... Um, and so that's the end of my dark humour. Um, but it's still alive, isn't it? And it's because it's connected to my head. And it's the, and it's the same. It's the same with us as Christians. That even if we die, we we, we don't lose our inheritance. We, we're not in any danger because we're connected to the living one. We're connected to the one who literally rose from the dead. So no matter what we face, no matter what pressure we face for being a Christian. We have an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. And once you begin to see how certain our hope is as Christians, you can begin to praise God. Maybe not in the moment, but it can return quite quickly. You know, why would I care if I missed out on a bit of dodgy money? Why would I care what others think of me or my workmates, you know? When I'm connected to the one who loves me, who's given his life for me, I, I'm waiting. they've got nothing to bargain, nothing to draw me away from that. It's fantastic. But I have to admit, so far it does seem a bit of a trade-off. It seems like a bit of like the Christian life is, we, get to, we, we might have better stuff coming, but it's, it's going to suck now and it's going to be good later. That's kind of what we're kind of stuck with, a bit of a trade-off. Well, in verses 6 to 9, I think we see that Peter won't even kind of concede that he won't even concede that now we 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 can praise god under pressure not because we look forward to a better inheritance but even in our trials even under pressure god is working out a better purpose you see the reality is that whether you're a christian or not i doubt you're going to get through life without some sort of trials without some sort of dramas um, um, but as a christian our trials have a purpose. In verse 6 we read, Though now for a little while 
you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Notice those little, two little words there in that verse. It's really, you can skim over them really quickly. It says there had to. They're very small, but it seems to be saying here, Peter's saying that this isn't just stuff that happens. This is, this is necessary. These trials, these pressures, they're not optional. They're not just some sort of pain in the neck, some sort of like, they're not just part of the troubles of living inside of heaven. It's not some sort of karma as well. It's not sort of some sort of karma where we're paying for our sins sort of before we go somewhere or whatever. No, it's so that our faith might be refined. It might be strengthened. The end of verse 7 says that so that it, it might result in glory and honour, result, result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. At the moment, you might be shamed, you might be under the pump because of Jesus, but the reason the Lord sends and allows you to go through these trials is to ultimately purify your faith, ultimately so that you praise him more, so that you, that you both him and you, will be glorified and honoured, so that we might be found living lives of praise, glory and honour at his return. Our trials are hard. We don't have to deny that they're, they're hard or that, they're even, that they've come from an evil motive from others. We don't have to deny any of that. But God has a, an even bigger purpose. They um, not only eventually lead us to love Jesus, the one we don't see at the moment, but to believe in him even more and to be filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy that we see here. Here's the strange thing, when people have a crack at you for following Jesus, you might feel afraid, you might feel isolated first, first time around, but at the same time, at that very same moment, you're kind of you're united, to, you're identified even closer with Jesus, aren't you? Um, in a way, you were brought closer to him. You are brought closer to Jesus, and that's ultimately the final goal of your salvation, to be closer to Jesus. But for those who don't know Jesus, who, who go through troubles and trials, well, the Bible, and this passage in the Bible doesn't really give much hope for that. It doesn't really give us any real sense for it. In Psalm 49, verse 20 says that people have wealth, for instance, but lack understanding. In other words, that people who don't know God. It says they are like the beasts that perish. It's like... You know, you, you might have it all, but it serves no purpose. When it does, when it does all go pear-shaped, there is no real greater meaning to extract out of it. But can you see how Peter is relentless here in building up the Christian's faith, those who are under pressure? Even our trials can lead us to love him more and to praise him more. I start to see that, um, and I start to taste how that, Praise under pressure, it's not impossible. It's possible. Peter's just piling up benefit after benefit, but he's not done yet. How can we do that? Well, finally, we see that the final privilege we see in verses 10 to 12 is that we have a better perspective as well. Um, we have a better vantage point than those in the Old Testament. In verses 10 to 12, we see that while the prophets... Um, they prophesied about the grace to come and they longed to see it. They never actually saw or heard. They never actually saw or heard it. Um, 
They didn't have the, the gospel preached to them like the way we can. They never heard that Jesus had actually come and actually died for our sins. They never actually heard that he'd risen from the dead. Um, they didn't hear, like we can read in, in 1 Corinthians, that he appeared not just to the apostles, but up to 500 people at one time. But as we read the Old Testament, we get to double dip. We get to see the prophecies and then also get to see how they came true. We get, we get the best of both worlds. Um, in Hebrews 11, verse 13, it says this, all these people, referring to the people in the Old Testament, it says all these people were still living by faith when they died. They only saw, they did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. Now we're similar, we're, in some ways we're still strangers as well. We don't quite fit our society at, all, at every point. But don't we have a better perspective than what those had in the Old Testament? We don't have to fumble through life without knowing the amazing security we have because of God's grace to us in Jesus. By the Holy Spirit we have the, God, the gospel preached to us as we hear about what Jesus has done. We get to see it in the word. We get to see that the price has been paid. Our inheritance is not some hypothetical promise like those in the Old Testament kind of had to deal with. The deal is done. Blood has been shed. And so as we come to a close today, can I encourage you, maybe, maybe there's two different types of people here today. I'm new here. I don't know, I don't know hardly any of you. <laughs> um, presumably there's some Christians here. Um, so firstly to the Christians... Um, can I say resist the lie that pressure means you can't praise that that you know when you're under the pump you sort of think I I couldn't praise God I I can't I've got to get in the right mood for it or something I I, it would be be wrong to praise God right at this point in time Um, I'm under too much pressure well you see when you when your obedience and faith in Jesus brings you into a clash into a conflict in your life, you'll be tempted to drop praise. Uh, just like me with my workmates, praise was the last thing on my mind in that moment when all that pressure was put on me, but I can encourage you to resist that. The world won't understand exactly where we're coming from, that we've got a better selection, we've got a better inheritance, we've got better purpose, we've got a better perspective. You see, while the praise was far from my first response that day, I remember catching the train home that day and um, listening to some Christian band, and they were singing um, a song that referred to 2 Corinthians 5, the idea that we are a new creation in Christ, and it says this, Therefore, if anyone is is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And instead of feeling isolated and afraid, as I did on the site, suddenly felt like, mate, I'm ahead of the game. I'm, I'm, part of, I'm a part of something new because of Jesus. I'm included in him and I'm looking forward to an inheritance that can't perish, spoil or fade. I don't, I don't need 20 bucks from some dodgy sale on site. Um, and even though I was under pressure, at the very same time, God used that to remind me of just how good I've got it in Jesus. God used that to, to actually fill me with praise. I'm a new creation, mate. I don't need any shady back deal, 
back deals, backyard deals. But finally, to those who aren't Christian yet, maybe you don't like the sound of this whole clash idea of being a Christian might cause a clash in, uh, in your life with others. Maybe you think you've got enough pleasure and comfort to keep you going in life. But what happens when it all hits the wall? You know, what purpose do you see in it for you? You see, there's no comfort here in God's Word. Your, your suffering ends up being for nothing. There's, your inheritance kind of just ends with you. Just like chasing citizenship back in those days, the inheritance in, the inheritance, uh, in Rome, the things that you chase in this life can really, the longer you live, you can see they, they, they all drop off. They can just be taken just like that. You see, Jesus is the only one with lasting life. He's the only one who has conquered death. And so don't let the pleasure fool you into thinking that you, you don't have Jesus yet. If you don't have Jesus yet. You see, if, if friends, don't be like the beasts that perish. Regardless of the pressure you will face for siding with Jesus. The living hope you can find in Jesus and his resurrection, it just can't be compared. It really can't. The one who secures for us an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. Let's pray. Father, time and time again, we are tempted to uh, live by sight, live by our own senses, our own intuition. Father, we're tempted to give way to fear. Father, through your word again today, please fill us not only with faith but with praise and joy, knowing that through your Son you've given us new birth into a living hope. Help us to praise you no matter what we face. Amen.